evening. My name is Thomas Cordwell. You are listening to 3 R. And tonight I'll be presenting a one-hour special on Japanese film composer Ryuchi Sakamoto that includes an interview I did with him in October when he was in Melbourne performing as part of the Melbourne International Arts Festival. Ryuchi Sakamoto has had a long and fascinating career, not just in film composition, but also as a highly influential and prolific ambient and electronic music pioneer, among other things. A documentary about him titled Ruchi Sakamoto Coda will be screening at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image for a special three-week season starting on the 27th of December. Made by filmmaker Stephen Namura Shribble, the documentary was made over five years and portrays recent key events in Sakamoto's life, including his diagnosis and treatment for stage 3 throat cancer, scoring the 2015 film The Revenant, and his increasing activism against nuclear power in the wake of the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster. In the film, the softly spoken and humble Sakamoto is introspective and also generous in discussing his career, which includes his work composing film scores. Ryuchi Sakamoto's enthusiasm for music, cinema, art and life is a major part of what makes the film so engaging and enjoyable. When I had the very good fortune to interview him, I was delighted that he was more than happy to focus on his film composition career during our conversation, as that is my main area of interest. Now, at this point, I will mention that Justin Cantrell recently did a magnificent Max Headroom special on Mr. Sakamoto's electronic music a couple of months back on uh, Thursday the 18th of October, which I would strongly urge you to listen back to via Triple R's excellent radio-on-demand service via rrr.org.au. The music by Sakamoto that Justin played and discussed is notably different from the more orchestral film scores that I will be playing tonight. Now, when I first sat down with Mr. Sakamoto, the very first thing I wanted to talk to him about was his score for the 1983 film Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which was his first film score and still possibly his most recognisable. Directed by the Japanese filmmaker Nagisha Oshima, uh, who is still best known for the controversial 1976 film In the Realm of the Senses, it was an adaptation of some of the memoirs by Africana author Lorenz van der Post about his experiences in a Japanese prisoner of war camp during World War II. It's a challenging film about the gulf of cultural misunderstandings between the Japanese soldiers and their prisoners. The film also starred Sakamoto along with a seriously eclectic cast that included David Bowie, Tom Conti, Takashi Kitano and Jack Thompson. Now, at the very start of this show, I played one of the cues from that soundtrack titled Father Christmas, which is a variation on the film's main theme. It is also the first piece of music heard in Ryuchi Sakamoto Koda during a tribute performance that Sakamoto gives near Fukushima. However, the version he plays in the, in the documentary is not the well-known original electronic version, but a version simply performed by Sakamoto on piano with two other musicians on strings. It sounds very much like uh, the version of the theme taken from his 2012 album, Three. I'm going to play that for you now, and then we'll go straight into hearing Mr. Sakamoto discussing that arrangement. Thank you. 
myself on the piano and uh, I have um, normally uh, a violin and cello. <clears throat> so this is a kind of classical piano trio style. And um, I've been doing that uh, since quite a long time, like a 1992, one, two, something like that. So um, of course, you know, uh, besides that, uh, I do some concerts uh, by myself on on the piano, just piano solo, or sometimes you know with an orchestra. And uh, as as you know, the piano sound decays quickly, and in contrast, uh, the string instruments um, could uh, you know, sustain the notes like for not forever, but for a long time, and you know much closer to the human's voice human voice, the string instrument sound uh, much closer to um, human voice. So um, it's good to have uh, you know, the, some string instruments accompanied uh, with my piano. So uh, it's kind of, a, to me, the piano trio is very minimum uh, miniature of uh, almost like an orchestra. orchestra something like a big larger ensemble. You know, it's a very minimum minimum style of the uh, orchestral symphonic music. Because it was originally a piece of music very famously composed electronically, 
Yeah. So it's, it's a very yeah. different quality when you when you reduce it like that. Have your feelings about the style of music changed over the years? Do you have a different relationship to electronic music now compared to when you first started composing? <clears throat> Maybe yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, especially like uh, the electronic music in the eighties was uh, not very free uh, in terms of uh, expressing em uh, human emotions because um, you know you didn't you didn't have uh, uh, that the ability on the velocity which controls the. The, the dynamics on your know, synthesizers. So the the dynamics of by the synthesizers were pretty flat. Yeah. So but of course you know the, for by mixing or for arranging arranging uh, we try to put the emotions even on this uh, electric sounds. Uh, but it's different from the music played by humans, definitely. And uh, like a piano or piano trio or orchestra, uh, it's much easier to express um, the dynamics of, um, you know, based on like uh, emotions. And so probably uh, like uh, the, those old um, elderly like uh, gathered in that uh, uh, that place, actually, it's, it was not in Fukushima, but uh, um, it's a, it was a next prefecture to the Fukushima. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, um, those elderly people are much more, probably much more familiar with the acoustic sounds like piano or violin. So uh, I think it was appropriate. Appropriate form uh, to play for those not so much uh, musically education, uh, educated <laughs> people, <laughs> but uh, very, you know, we got the very warm, you know, applause and uh, warm welcome, and uh, you know, some some people cry, crying mm. by listening to the piece. So. Um, but we actually uh, we played uh, maybe more than one number, you know, so many different pieces. That is <coughs> an ex it, it, even the the original electronic score for that film. It's an enormously uh, emotional, I think, yeah, humane. I, think so. <laughs> I do. I, I, I mean, I was one of those people watching the film, and I started crying when you when you perform that. Yeah. I, I I get emotional thinking about that piece of music, and I think it's such an important human element of that film because it's a film about cultural um, distance and yeah. boundaries under really extreme, horrible yeah. conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Was that your thinking about you, 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 had to, you had to be the soul of the film with that music? Hmm. Yeah, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's the clash of the West and East and uh, not only cultural clash but a very violent clash you know it's a, it's a war movie basically but also um, mythologically um, speaking it's it's the meeting encounter of two two kinds of gods western god and eastern god you know fell in love mm. <laughs> encounter uh, in the middle of uh, war that's a very extra extraordinary um, situation, and uh, I think the <clears throat> the writer Van der Post uh, was a, a student of uh, uh, Carl Jung, the famous psychologist. Uh, so I think that, that that kind of mythology is based on uh, hidden hidden there. So I wanted to bring that up by the music, <laughs> you know, like a very ancient feeling, ancient sense of gods, you know, Western gods and uh, Eastern gods. That was Ruchi Sakamoto discussing his work on the film Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. You're listening to Triple R.
You're on Triple R. My name is Thomas Cordwell, and tonight I'm presenting an interview I did with composer Ryuchi Sakamoto. Not too long after acting in and composing the music for Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, Ryuchi Sakamoto was then asked to act in and then also compose the music for Italian filmmaker Bernardo Bertolucci's epic biopic, The Last Emperor which depicts the life of Pu Yi, who in 1906, as a child, became the last emperor of China before the Chinese Revolution established the Republic of China. The last emperor won nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director for Bertolucci, and Best Original Score for Sakamoto, along with the film's other composers, David Byrne and Kong Su. It would be the first of three times that Sakamoto composed for Bertolucci, as he would later also do the music for The Sheltering Sky in 1990 and Little Buddha in 1993. Let's now listen to the Last Emperor theme before we go back to my interview with Ruchi Sakamoto, where he talks about how he became involved in that film. And please do note that this interview was recorded before Bernardo Bertolucci's death three weeks ago, which is why neither Mr. Sakamoto nor I mention it.
very happy that you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a very lucky guy that, um, well, in the first, Mr. Maestro Oshima asked me to act and uh, for me to write music for him for Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. And we all went to the Cannes Festival and I, Mr. Oshima introduced me to uh, Bertolucci. Um, and then, so um, that was the first meeting with Mr. Bertrucci, and he immediately started talking about the project he was preparing, which was about China's last emperor. And uh, he, you know, he talked on and on and on in the middle of a very noisy party. <laughs> he was so passionate about the project, and I was really looking forward but of course you know, I didn't dream that I would be involved uh, in that film of course and a few years later I got a phone call from the producer for The Last Emperor Jeremy Thomas the famous producer and he said uh, come to China next week <laughs> <laughs> to act not to write music but to act okay <laughs> so it was you know, very sudden, but uh, no, I had to I had to cancel all my schedule. And of course, flew, of course, <laughs> flew to Beijing and joined the um, uh, shooting team. Uh, it was a it was a huge it was a huge fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, working with them, a lot of people, uh, European team, uh, including Australian and New Zealander team. <laughs> And Japanese, of course, uh, and local Chinese, a lot of local Chinese extras. And that was the first time I went to, I've been, I've been to China. Since then, I've been to China several times, but it was, it was even before the Tiananmen Square massacre. So it was, it was not, uh, it was, there was no sign of a democracy or capitalism at all for me. It was a very, so I was lucky to to witness the the very old sort of um, uh, not ancient but uh, almost like um, for me it's a pre pre war society of China, mm-hmm. <laughs> well pre capitalism China, yeah I was lucky, and so um, since uh, working on the last emperor um, somehow the Tuchi. You know, uh, kindly asked me to write music for him. Uh, two more films. Uh, the next one was uh, the Shelter in the Sky, mm-hmm. and then Little Buddha. Um, I feel very, very lucky and happy, and yeah, mm, privileged. And of course, in the Last Emperor, with the music, you collaborated with David Byrne yeah. and the Chinese composer Kong Su. Kong Su, yes. How did the three of you manage that process of working together, considering that's three very distinctive styles of music coming together to form a very harmonious sensibility? Um, we, three of us, were just manipulated by Maestro Bertolucci. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> Asked uh, individually, three three of us, and he collected all the music from three composers, and he chose mm, where to place and where to put in the film. So we didn't work together. We we almost didn't know uh, Konsu was there. I knew David Byrne was working somewhere, but <laughs> during that period, we didn't meet. Ah, ah, ah. And now I'd like to play for you a lesser-known piece of film music composed by Ruchi Sakamoto. This is taken from the 2016 album Ruchi Sakamoto, Music for Film, and it's some of the music from the Brian De Palma film Femme Fatale.
That was from Femme Fatale, the 2002 Brian De Palma film. Along with Bertolucci, De Palma is another director Ruchi Sakamoto has composed for on more than one occasion. Some of the other filmmakers Sakamoto has written music for include Pedro Almodovar, Oliver Stone and Alejandro González Inarritu. So I asked him if there was any one filmmaker he most enjoyed working with. Very hard question. I mean, mm, well, each one is very different. You know, there's no, no rule, no, uh, no consistent uh, uh, character among uh, filmmakers. They're all very different filmmakers. They're all very different. Yeah, very different personality character, uh, and uh, well, obviously, naturally, uh, I'm a composer, so there are directors who would give me more f- uh, freedom to write music by myself are better ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in that sense, uh, Mr. Oshima. Unfortunately, he passed, yeah. but uh, he gave me a hundred percent of freedom for me. Yeah, to write music, and he used a hundred percent of the music I delivered. Amazing, and that's that's very rare. Yeah, I imagine. Yes, yeah. you know, uh, most of the most of the cases, you know, I have to uh, re- uh, revise uh, many of. Them. The cues pieces I deliver, and um, even even after uh, after those revisions, um, the film directors cut the music or places different differently mm-hmm. from the plan I had I have. So it was it, it is normally very frustrating. You talk about. Often with working with um, directors, you do have restrictions and limitations when, um, when, when you're scoring. You, you don't always, you rarely get that complete freedom. But is there any aspect to those restrictions that you can find inspiring? Yes. Um, after the work is done, yes, it is inspiring. But during um, I'm working on that particular project, it, it is frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for example, um, uh, at the one moment I had to, I had to rewrite five times for Little Buddha. Five times mm-hmm. for the same spot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maestro Bertolucci you know, rejected, rejected uh, four times. No, no. <laughs> do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Then finally, the, for the fifth, fifth piece, um, for the, for the exact same same spot of the film, uh, he finally said, "Okay, good." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, look, looking back from now, um, he was right. I I understand now. I can understand now. He was right. He was. He had uh, the right aspect for 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 the place for the meaning of that spot, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But during that time, you know, I, I was too frustrated or you know too uh, angry, you know, too upset. So you know, I I didn't get that. So I was just writing, and um, you know, um, as a composer who uh, who is working under an enormous pressure. Uh, maybe your sight gets really, you know, short. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's hard to hard to keep the wider wider aspect uh, for the very detailed work. You're listening to Triple R. I'm Thomas Cordwell, and I'll continue my conversation with Ruchi Sakamoto in just a moment. In the documentary Ruchi Sakamoto Coda. There is a scene where Mr. Sakamoto discusses his admiration for the great Russian filmmaker Andrei Tarkovsky and the way Tarkovsky used music and ambient sound. 
In particular, Sakamoto discusses the the music score for Tarkovsky's 1972 science fiction film Solaris, where the Russian electronic musician and film score composer Eduard Artemev arranged one of Johann Sebastian Bach's choral preludes for organ to create that film's otherworldly soundtrack. Let's listen now to some of that soundtrack for Solaris, which was an inspiration for Ruchi Sakamoto. to my interview with Mr Sakamoto, I asked him about the importance of Solaris and the other films of Andrei Tarskovsky to his own work. Unfortunately, he left only seven films for mm. us. Uh, he left us so quickly, too, too quick. Uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> I love, I love uh, all of his films uh, for a long time, for many decades. And um, probably my love for his films is getting stronger and stronger when I get older somehow <laughs> um, you know there's so many elements you know we can talk about uh, but probably the most important thing about his films is uh, quietness to me Stillness, or uh, um, that quietness is very poetic, mm-hmm. very poetic. But also the uh, compositions uh, of uh, with the, all the movements in, in in images are very musical to me. Almost like a, it, it is music for me. And do you have a general interest in film scores beyond your own work? Are there other film composers that you admire or were influenced by in the beginning or are influenced by now? A lot, yes. Uh, actually, um, since I was little, yeah, I, like, I liked 
feel music a lot, uh, like um, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence in Arabia, or like Maurice Jar, mm-hmm. and of course Morricone, Maestro Morricone. You know, I I am influenced by him still. <laughs> Um, I can the, hear that in your music, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, Maestro Bernard Herrmann. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> and there are many other uh, fabulous, uh, you know, soundtrack composers in the world. It really wasn't a surprise to me at all when Ruchi Sakamoto mentioned that Ennio Morricone is one of his inspirations. And the piece of music by Morricone that, for me anyway, really evokes some of Sakamoto's film scores is Morricone's uh, Debra's theme from the 1984 film by Sergio Leone, Once Upon a Time in America. Take a listen and see if you agree with me.
Deborah's theme by Ennio Morricone. Now, back to my conversation with Ruchi Sakamoto. <laughs> is it possible to understand why music moves us the way it does? Or is it something that's just instinctual? Yeah, it's almost impossible to understand. That's mm. why it's so magical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we are looking for magics. Yeah. I mean, everybody, like the film directors and uh, all the people who, uh, who are involved in filmmaking, they are, they are all chasing magics, and uh, we cannot manipulate magics. You know, it, it just happens. <laughs> so, right. uh, sometimes we fail, uh, sometimes we succeed. Is there anybody that you're yet to score a film for that would, would like to do so? Mm, yeah, there are many... Um, you know, talented <coughs> filmmakers still, still <laughs> after Tarkovsky and Jean-Luc Godard. Uh, I mean, I since I was uh, as a teen, you know, I I've been a big, big admirer of uh, uh, Godard. Uh, but he doesn't need me. Uh, has I'm been not, his own past, yes, he? yes. <laughs> I mean, he has uh, the big catalog of the ECM. <laughs> he can choose, so he doesn't need me. Uh, but um, uh, lately, I, I've watching a lot of uh, Chinese and Korean films, Asian films, Hong Kongese films, Taiwanese, and there are many, many talented guys. And do you go back to acting again? Mm, no, I'm not so. Uh, I'm not. I, well, definitely, I'm not talented for acting. But I'm, I'm also I'm not so interested. Mm-hmm. But if uh, some filmmakers I admire a lot uh, would ask me to act, yeah, maybe you know, it depends. The documentary Ruchi Sakamoto Koda will be screening at the Australian Centre for the Moving Image from the 27th of December until the 16th of January. It's being distributed in Australia by Hide Loss Entertainment, who I would like to thank for making it possible for me to interview Ruchi Sakamoto. I would also like to thank Mr Sakamoto's wife and manager, Norika Sora, and of course... Mr. Ruchi Sakamoto himself for being uh, so so generous with his time while uh, speaking to me. Again, if you haven't heard Justin Cantrell's Max Headroom special on Ruchi Sakamoto from Thursday the 18th of October, then I highly recommend you use the Triple R radio on demand service via rrr.org.au to do so, as Justin covered a whole stack of things to do with Mr. Sakamoto and his music that I didn't even come close to. I'm going to leave you now with the version of Bibo no Azura that Mr. Sakamoto arranged for the 2006 film Babel. My name is Thomas Cordwell, and thanks for listening. You're tuned in to 3 Triple R.